You know, I tell you, friends, when I think about God's crazy plan, I can't help but think about God's craziness in all of human history. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Wouldn't it have been much easier just to create man perfect so they didn't have to sin, so they didn't have free will, so we couldn't choose against him? Wouldn't it, have been that, that, wouldn't it be much simpler to do that? But to do that would have meant that love was forced, not chosen, and that's really not love at all, is it? In order for people to choose to worship God, to choose to love him, they would have to choose with free will. So God created man in his own image with the capacity to sin, and sin they did. And when we see Genesis 3, way back, the very first pages of Scripture, we see there that God had the capacity to uh, not do that, and yet he did anyway. He created us with the capacity to sin. And then when they did sin, here's the crazy part, God made a way to remedy that sin. An animal was slaughtered, blood was shed, and a covering was made for Adam and Eve. Their place of perfection was lost, but not forever. Even there, on the outskirts of the Garden of Eden, God set in motion a plan, a plan to redeem humanity, to make it all right again, to bring us back to the place that he meant for us to have in the first place. And he would do it in a way that was so bizarre to logical-minded people that it simply boggles the mind. He would choose to use a simple peasant girl to accomplish his purposes. Mary, God's chosen vessel for God's glory. In Luke 2, verse 19, the word of the Lord says this, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them, in her heart. It's one of the shortest verses in all of, all of Luke's gospel and especially of Luke 2, which is primarily the Christmas story. And this, this one little verse is just a window into what happened in Luke 1 when the angel visits Mary and says, blessed are you, the one who is highly favored. And she says, who am I that I should be so highly favored? What a great question that is. Anybody ever feel like that with the Lord? What am I? Why, why would you want me, God? But yet, this, this, friends, is the summation of what Mary certainly had felt and experienced for at least the last nine months. Here is God's crazy plan coming into focus. God's crazy plan for Mary's life, it was all for God's glory. This, this crazy plan led him to send the angel Gabriel can you imagine what that commissioning ceremony must have been like when God calls Gabriel in and says, Gabriel, I want you to go and speak. Now, he's not the first time he's sent Gabriel. He's been before. But this time, I want you to go to a peasant girl. You'll find her at this particular address. And I, I can't help but wonder, and I know the angels are different than us, but I can't help but wonder if Gabriel is looking at God sort of like this, you know? What are you doing here, God? Or maybe that's just my imagination run amok, and maybe Gabriel expects God to do it crazy because he always has. He always has. These humans, he can't get along without them. Not only that, he doesn't want to get along. 
A great philosopher said not long ago, God chose not to be God if he had to be God without us. This is the essence of it. Mary, she doesn't seem surprised by it at all. She simply says, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let us make that our prayer for the new year. When we get back here next week, it'll be January 1st. When we get back here next week, it'll be a whole new year, and we'll get to start afresh and anew, and what a great opportunity that is. Let us make that our prayer, too, for the new year. I'm the servant of the Lord. I don't know what's around the corner, but the Lord does, and I'm his servant. He wouldn't send me without going with me. I'm the servant of the Lord, he says, just like Isaiah, like Daniel, like Elisha, like all the prophets who went before. Here, here is where God looks at the heart. See, we like to think that we have some role in that, that we can pile up enough good deeds to impress the Lord or give enough money to impress God and make him say, hey, that's for me. Uh, I did this. I helped God choose me. But it's sometimes that it's just God's goodness when he brings his plan to effect. Maybe some of you have read the book or seen the movie Unbroken. It tells the story of Louis Zamperini. Louis had a long list of accomplishments, things that people would say, that's impressive. He was an Olympian. He had all kinds of awards. He was a decorated athlete. And yet, in World War II, he found himself as a pilot crash landing into the ocean, captured as a POW, treated harshly by a man he called the bird, abused, beaten down, cynical, bitter, harsh, angry. And it's there in the mid-50s in Southern California that the Lord sends Billy Graham to do a tent revival. And there, Louis wanders in almost accidentally and hears the word of God and finds his life changed. The crazy plan that God took to get Louis there was one that no one could have imagined. It's as if you wanted to drive from here to Stanton by way of Montana. Why would you do that? Unless the Lord knew that there were things you needed to pick up on the way before you arrived there. Friends, this crazy plan, it is not unlike our own life. Sometimes when we look back, we see how God uses each step of it. But today, I want you to join me in saying that it was all for God's glory, just like Mary's life. God's crazy plan involved Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, too, and it was all for God's glory. Who does Mary tell first that she has had this visit from the angel? She goes to tell Elizabeth. Elizabeth has a story, too. Another crazy vision, another crazy angel, another crazy visit, another moment of God's glory. It was not the same kind of visit, but it was definitely the same kind of clarity. Have you ever needed that? The same kind of clarity? Maybe that's the prayer that you would pray today. Unlike Mary, instead of being too young, Elizabeth was too old. Unlike Mary, instead of being single, Elizabeth's husband 
He was the one who had the vision. Like Mary, Elizabeth received the promise and embraced it. There's no record of an argument between Elizabeth and her husband, just simply a confidence that God had called them to this. Right now, we take up the Lottie Moon offering. Lottie Moon, we remember her today. Truth is, it was the anniversary of her passing just this week. See, she was 18 years old when she got saved, and it was almost in spite of herself. She'd grown cynical against the Lord and had decided that the whole thing was a lot of trash, and then the Spirit of God got a hold of her life, and not only did she become a Christian, she committed her life to missions. She decided that she was called to China, and there she went in 1873. She would stay there for the rest of her life in a little town called Pingtu. There, she served the Lord by teaching English, loving people, and serving, serving with faithfulness that we remember these many years later. She rode home to her family, to churches, to universities, imploring them to send more missionaries, to send more funding. Her passion for missions is why we named our offering the nationwide offering that goes to foreign missions every year is because of Lottie Moon. It wasn't her vision from the start, but it was God's crazy plan, just like it was for then. God's crazy plan invited shepherds into the circle, too, for the big night, all for God's glory. Of all the people that you would invite to a party for a king, Shepherds were not on that list. Have you ever showed up to a party and you arrived significantly underdressed or maybe overdressed and you felt out of place and awkward? Yeah, that must have been how the shepherds felt most all of the time. But this night, read the earlier part of Luke 2 and you'll find the shepherds just doing what they were told to do, doing what they always did. And then things change. Now, they didn't know the change was coming, <laughs> but God did. And isn't he the author of it all? They walked in and found a baby wrapped in rags, lying in a feed trough in the middle of a town that was definitely not remarkable. Imagine that you got news that just up the road in Klondike, Texas, something earth-shattering had happened. Some of you were like, where's Klondike? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the point. Klondike is a little spot on the map where my dad lived when he was a young boy. Not long ago when he was in town, I drove him up there, and we were surprised to see there were still a few houses there. There's even a road sign that will direct you to Klondike. But to think of something earth-shattering happening there boggles the mind. Moreover, what if the people that you met there were roughnecks who had seen an angel? Would you believe it? Huh. And yet, these are the ones that God's crazy plan invited in and said, find a seat at the table because you are loved and wanted. And he found a baby a baby that wouldn't stay that way. 
That was also God's crazy plan. Now, if we're honest, there are some who would like to keep the baby a baby. And wouldn't we all with our own children? They're easier to manage that way, aren't they? We put them down somewhere and they stay there. That's not the way God made it to happen, though. In a movie that I don't necessarily recommend, but it perhaps bears repeating today, the Talladega Nights movie, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Don't go home and look it up because Darren told you to, all right? There's a scene where Ricky Bobby is supposed to be praying over their meal. And he prays a prayer that there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it is a prayer that is fraught with theological conundrums. He prays to the eight-ounce, eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus wearing the swaddly clothes. And his wife stops him and says, Ricky, that's not how you pray. That baby grew up. And this is what Ricky Bobby says. I like the baby Jesus best. You pray to who you want to pray to when it's your turn to pray. It's my turn to pray tonight, and I'm praying the way I like him best. You know, it's meant to be comedy. But the sad truth is that's the reality for most. Many. Maybe I shouldn't say most. They like to keep Jesus where they can keep him confined, where he's safe where he is limited, where he's restricted, where he's not able to get to them. Maybe they like him better that way because he's not a messy Jesus. Messy Jesus is the one that walks around touching lepers and healing blind people. Messy Jesus is the one that argues with the people that are religious and dressed well. Messy, P messy Jesus is the one who goes on walking, goes around walking on the water. Messy Jesus is the one who gets nailed to the cross. Messy Jesus is the one who is raised back to life. Messy Jesus is the one who steps into our mess. Today, friends, God's crazy plan, who invited the shepherds in, it comes for us too. God's crazy plan sent Mary and Joseph with Jesus to the temple. You'll see that later in Luke 2. It's all for God's glory to do to, as well. A month later, after Jesus' birth, Jewish tradition dictates that Mary and Joseph take their new son to the temple for the redemption of the firstborn. Immediately after the Exodus, all the way back in the Old Testament, we find the Lord commanding Moses to consecrate every firstborn, but especially firstborn male children. In Numbers 18, we see the tradition laid out most clearly as the father brings the child to the temple. The priest asks, what's your preference to give your firstborn for temple service or to redeem him for five shekels? This was the process that we see at the end of Luke chapter 2. For the Jewish leaders who were there, most of them anyway, it's just another family, just another child. The curious thing though, hmm, curious thing is that it wasn't the only ones who were there. One of my favorite parts of Luke 2 is when Simeon greets them. 
When you read Simeon's story, it's so brief, it's almost easy to miss. And if you're in a hurry reading through it, then you'll miss him altogether. It's like driving past something at 75 miles an hour. Or like when my wife and I were on a train trip in, 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 in Germany, we were on one of those high-speed trains and 225 kilometers per hour works out to about 150. I saw something interesting and I said, Julie, look there it goes. And that's how you can do with Simeon. Simeon's story is really short. He simply is where God had placed him. Into his heart, God had said, you will not die before you see the Messiah, the promised one. You'll see his prayer hiding there in Luke 2. For when Mary and Joseph come in, he takes the baby Jesus in his arms and he says, dismiss now your servant in peace for my eyes have seen the deliverance of Israel. This, friends, is a recognition of God's crazy plan. See, when we look into our own lives, we can see how God does things. We see it because we best see God's plan in the rearview mirror, not out the windshield. And yet we have to live life looking out the windshield. If you try to drive home looking only in your rearview mirror, then you will no doubt find the ditch or the curb. But that's why we're having this talk today. Because I want you prepared for God's crazy plan. God's crazy plan came at just the right time. All for God's glory. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 says this, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God's plan might seem crazy to us, or at least to me. I won't pin that on any of you. But understand this. It was in God's heart all along. He always meant to have us back. He always meant for us to come home. He always meant for us to find the place that he meant for us to be. The problem is many of us can't see it because the pieces don't fit together quite right. You know, a couple of years ago, we visited Mount Rushmore. Beautiful place, let me tell you. If you've not had the chance to go, you should. It's an, an incredible. Even the drive up is awesome. Um, we did something there, though, that might, might, might not have been the smartest thing. We saw this jigsaw puzzle, and we bought this jigsaw puzzle. Now, I'm not a big jigsaw puzzle doer, but uh, my wife and her mother are, and we, we bought it because we thought it was beautiful, and we brought it home, got it out of the package, and, and Julie and her mother tackled it, and they said, hey, we're going to do this. this is, we can knock this out. This is no problem, until they actually started working on it. And let me tell you, these two ladies, they know something about jigsaw puzzles, and that puzzle sat on a table for a long time. You know why? Because it was hard. There were a lot of black pieces that just looked like night sky, and they were all crazy cut. And I sat down there once, and I thought, I can do this. This isn't so impossible. I have a PhD. Surely a smart man like me can figure this out. After about five minutes, I walked away and said, I don't need that trouble in my life. <laughs> because it was hard. And if you need a testimony, see my wife and her mother. They're both here today. We're glad they are. 
We, 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 we saw that process take a lot of time. Now, when Julie finally finished it, here's what we found. There was a piece missing. And no, it wasn't in my pocket, I promise. I didn't take it. So there was a piece missing. And can I just tell you, I was ready to throw that puzzle right straight in the trash. I was like, what a jip. Somebody's probably laughing their head off at the puzzle company. You know, they're like, hey, we got one over on them this time. They're going to drive themselves crazy looking for that. But then I thought about it a little more. And I thought, you know, it's only the Western part of me, the part of me that is trained to think of things only in complete form as being finished, that's really troubled by that. God, in his good time, will make all things complete, but he doesn't need me to do it. He chooses to use me, but he doesn't need me. It's his crazy plan that invites me in. It's his crazy plan that says, Darren, come along with me. It's his crazy plan that says, let's keep walking together. It's his crazy plan that says, trust me, I know where I'm going. Maybe, just maybe, you're wondering about God's crazy plan in your life. I want you to take just one thing home with you. Trusting God in his tra crazy plan is an active and ongoing decision. It's something that requires you to keep coming, keep going, to not stop, to keep trusting. I wore these boots today on purpose you see, every time I put them on, I think about the season in which somebody gave them to me. These are the absolute best boots I have ever owned and ever likely to own. I did not buy them, just for the record. Somebody bought them for me. And the reason I didn't buy them is because I would have never paid for them. They're Lucchese gator skin boots, all right? Everybody go, ooh. <laughs> yeah. So... That's the kind of booth that I've always wanted, but I never would have paid for. When I got over cancer, a dear friend walked into my office here at the church and dropped these on my desk and said, a man who's over cancer has a long way left to walk. Put them on your feet and use them. And you know what I did? I took them home and I set them in my closet. I set them in my closet because they were too good to wear. Have you ever had something like that? things that are just too nice to use. I set them in my closet, I don't know for how long, maybe I wore them once and I left them there for a long time and finally my intelligent, beautiful wife said, Darren, if you never wear them, you don't really have them. The people that gave you those boots meant for you to wear them and enjoy them and so I wear them on special occasions. If it's not Christmas Sunday on a Sunday morning, I don't know what is a special occasion. So, Every time I wear these, I think about God's crazy plan that brought us to Midland and led us through cancer, has walked with us through the years. And let me ask you this, maybe God's crazy plan has taken you places you didn't expect either. Maybe God's crazy plan is what you didn't plan for. Maybe God's crazy plan is leading you down a path that you didn't mean to go. Maybe God's crazy plan is upsetting to you and maybe you're wondering where is God in the midst of this can I tell you today right now friend take the example 
of Mary. Ponder these things in your heart like she did, but don't stop there. Invite the Spirit of God into your life in a powerful and fresh way. How can you do that? Here's a couple of ways. One, if you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord and Master of your life, start there. Let the Spirit of God speak powerfully into your life by asking Jesus in. It's not not hard, but it's anything but simple. Simply acknowledge that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, and confess him as your Lord. That's where you start. Maybe you've done that a long time ago, and your walk with Christ has grown cold. Can I tell you what usually sparks it back for me? Trusting God in a new way. How can I do that, Aaron? By doing something you haven't done before. Maybe you need a chance to serve this year. Oh boy, do we have plans for you. Come see me at the end of this service if that's you. Either that or pray about it from now until next Sunday because next Sunday that's what we'll be talking about. What will the new year look like for us as a church? We're going to talk about it next Sunday. Maybe, just maybe, you need to be baptized. You've never taken that first step of Christian obedience. I got good news for you. We can do that too. Come see me and let's talk about that. Perhaps you need to come to this altar and spend some time asking the Lord for a fresh start. It's open for you. Maybe it needs to start in your home. I believe the most foundational piece of Christian obedience is spending time in God's Word. In our common areas on both sides of the auditorium, you'll find our new reading plans. Oh, they're not new, but they're dated for 23. There's two of them. One is a 365-day plan that will take you all the way through the Bible in the course of a year. You know, the vast majority of Christians never read through it once. They say they believe it, they just have no idea what's in it. Don't let that be you. There's also, maybe you're not ready for that, but you're ready to try something. There's a seven-day plan that focuses on the words of Jesus and the writings of the Apostle John, the I am statements, Jesus identifying himself. Let today be the day you take that home and set your heart to that. This day is the one you'll decide about God's crazy plan for your life. Let's pray together. So today, Jesus, we declare our dependence upon you. Your crazy plan is crazy to us, but it's in your heart all along. I pray today, Father God, for all of those that are seated before me. Would you show your mercy to them? Would you grant them peace? Will you encourage them? And today, Jesus, will you remind them of your deep and abiding love for them? When we struggle with your crazy plan, Lord, let us trust you, even if we don't understand. My prayer today also, Lord, is for clarity for the new year. As we finish this year up, Lord, let us do it with the idea that you've carried us through. As we begin the new year, let us commit it to you, even from the beginning. So meet with us now in this invitation time, Lord Jesus, we commit it to you. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.